Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Dangerous Rhetoric. This is episode 90. I'm Brentley. I'm Dan. And today we have Bill Ward Chris to join us once again. But first, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, share the show with your friends, do all the things because it really helps yeah. the channel grow. Donate, give us your money. Yeah, well, there are links in the description if you want to financially support the show. <laughs> yeah. And we... fin go financially support Chris because he definitely needs it. Yes, billboardchris.com, support Chris. If you don't know what Chris is doing, we're going to get into it. Yeah. Um, thank you, Chris, for joining yes. us, making the time. It's going to be a quick one today because Chris has to go off and confront some drag queens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're in Vancouver again, right? You're back in uh, back on the west coast of Canada. Back home. Yes, the inner circle of woke hell is where I'm <sighs> Vancouver, Canada. Oh, um, for those who haven't yet, we encourage you to go back and watch our first conversation with Chris, especially if you want to know a little bit more about his backstory and how he came to be doing what he's doing today. But just to sum that up, uh, Chris is probably the person who's had the most conversations about the gender ideology that has been sweeping across the West and, you know, and the harm that's being done to kids. He goes around with billboards such as, you know, saying things such as children cannot consent to puberty blockers. Um, you want to give them your definition of a dad? What's your definition of a dad, Chris? It's a human male who protects his kids from gender ideology. Yes, and Chris goes around and he tries to have as many conversations with people as he possibly can about this subject, um, often putting himself at great risk, bodily harm, things like that. And we'll we'll talk about some of the recent stuff. But we wanted to have an updated conversation with you because so much has happened since we last spoke, um, which was earlier this year. And since then, we've actually met you in person twice. Um, we went out with you on the street during New York City Pride last June. So we'll talk a bit about that as well and that experience. Um, Brent also met up with you in Boston at a protest outside of the Children's yes. Hospital. So we'll get into some of that. Maybe Brent can pull up some of that footage. And, you know, and there's also just there's been a lot of um, changes in legislation we're seeing now across the country, you know, like in Tennessee and in Florida. And it feels like we're making some headway here. We're actually- You like, are winning, Chris. We're, we're One winning, conversation man. at a time. It's happening. We, we, we. We, but definitely, I mean, you are the vanguard. <laughs> you are out there on the front lines. You're the tip of the spear, man. The tip of the spear. Yeah. Like a lot of people don't really, the people that you talk to, they don't like, they, they have no idea if this is actually happening. A they, lot of them, man. I mean, yeah. You've you've had the conversations. You can tell us. I mean, yeah. So maybe tell us about your recent escapades, right? You you were out in Ottawa recently, right? Um, no, I haven't. I haven't been to Ottawa for a while. That was my last trip there was in February during the okay. I saw a video. You I've been focusing my yeah. Sometimes I'm updating people with stuff I've done in the past. But gotcha, gotcha. But uh, my recent trips, most of my trips are into the U.S. because they're more productive. I get more support. There there are organizations fighting this down there where there are none in Canada. Scary. And we're getting results. So I've got friends that I've made who are fighting this all across the country. And I do some things behind the scenes. But yeah, my time is best spent down south. So I've been all over the place. I've been, since I talked to you last, I've been to New York Pride. I've been to Washington a few times. I've been to Florida. I've been to New Jersey. I've been to Rhode Island, Massachusetts. Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee, Illinois, Alabama. Probably California. I don't know. I've been all over the place. So yeah. lots of escapades. It's a lot like, of travel. It's this is your job now. And this is why I said earlier, go, you know, donate to Chris and, and help support him because he he really does this full time. He takes a lot of time away from his family to fight this fight. And, you know, it's it's a sacrifice and it's exhausting. You get attacked and all sorts of things. You get doxxed. It's it's you know, we commend you, man. Seriously. Thank you. I've got fun stories for the grandkids. <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. Definitely. Yeah. So what we uh, the the last time we we chatted, it was still very new, and, and like a lot of the culture hadn't really caught up. But now with Matt Walsh, with his "What Is a Woman" documentary, I feel like with even just with your videos going viral, you know, you've been on Timcast. You were on uh, a lot has happened, man. So much has happened. Yeah. You're really making waves, and I think it's on Tucker. That was good. Yes, you, Tucker. You spoke to yeah. Mark Keller Green recently as well, right? I did. I was on her podcast too. I've been speaking with other members of Congress, uh, part of a Protect Kids Caucus led by Congresswoman Debbie Lesko from Arizona. Spoke with some members of Congress there. I've been meeting with other politicians and stuff behind the scenes. That's so, good. yeah, that's all good, you know, because 
these politicians need to learn how to message on this subject. That's always my main message to them is that this is a winning issue. You just need to know a little bit how to talk about it because you're not going to lose any Republicans when you talk about this. You're only going to gain centrists and some of the more moderate Democrats who have woken up a bit to this. Because guess what? Democrats don't want their children being sterilized either. This is not that controversial. So, (laughs) yeah, getting the word out there, getting people to learn what's actually going on and then improving their knowledge base so that they can speak about it with more confidence. That's kind of my main goal. But this was a great year, and I'd say the highlight of this year, or probably the last two years even, kind of the biggest thing that created a turning point in a way was these Boston Children's Hospital videos that I tweeted out. So Boston Children's Hospital, the number one ranked children's hospital in the country. One second. <laughs> I have cats. <laughs> I had a feeling that's what that was. I'm like, and there's this uh, electronic litter box. So when they do their business, it comes along and sucks it all into this receptacle. We're not cutting that out. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's, that's fine. That was Thor doing his business earlier. I don't know uh, how much of that you picked up, but anyway, none of it um, came across. Yeah. So these Boston children's hospital videos that I tweeted out, Boston children's hospital, number one hospital in the nation. They had the first gender clinic in the U S started 15 years ago. So we've gone from zero kids having this insanity done to them just 15 years ago to now tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands on hormones. And what they did was they produced these sparkling, happy, perky videos where they talk about gender-affirming hysterectomies and what it means for your child to be transgender. And so these doctors, the experts, the top experts in the whole wide world literally say that things like a little girl trying to pee standing up, a little boy who doesn't want to get a haircut, and playing with opposite gender toys are what make your child transgender. And these kids seemingly know from the womb that they are transgender. So according to leftists, they go from being not human during the ninth month of pregnancy to seemingly knowing from the womb that they're transgender. Yeah, interesting. It's quite a remarkable development. Anyway, these these videos are also psychotic that it really woke up all the conservatives, it woke up the conservative media, all the podcasters, all those guys and girls. And it started off this wave of people looking into other children's hospitals and the various people fighting this are getting results. Vanderbilt stopped doing surgeries on kids. Yeah. Alabama, Arkansas have passed laws banning this. It's now going to court, which is what's always going to happen when you try to legislate this stuff away. But Florida did things the right way. They didn't legislate this away. They went through their board of medicine and they conducted hearings and they examined all the science and they listened to the detransitioners and they even invited people from the American Medical Association and American Academy of Pediatrics to come and testify, but they didn't. Yeah. Interesting. They didn't show up. Why? Yeah. Because they know conversation destroys their entire cultish ideology. So anyway, we're slowly getting results. The big thing is awareness is spreading and it's going to be a long battle, a generational fight, but we'll get there. Yeah. I, I saw some of the testimonies from the detransitioners in Florida. Um, one of them we had on our show recently, Shapeshifter. You know, anyone who hasn't seen that episode yet, please go and watch that. And man, He's he's been through hell, man. He's still living through a hell of an experience. He transitioned so far that he doesn't even really like bother anymore trying to appear as a man, although he's identifying right as D-trans and admits I'm a biological male. But you know, when, once you've had the bottom surgery and had implants in your chest and things like that, surgeries on your face, you know, there's only so much you can't reverse some of these things. And now he's just kind of in this middle space where he realizes the whole time he was just a gay man and was not coming to terms with that and felt just too feminine and got pushed in that direction and had mental issues and traumas and things that he wasn't contending with and all of them. all of that and and the doctors all of them all yeah. of them yeah yeah sorry to cut you doctors off every don't... single one of these people yeah. transitioning have some sort of trauma yeah and we don't address it and it's one thing to do with adults, but with kids right away, this transitioning is only mental. Yeah, but the point is even adults are making these decisions. And making mistakes. And making mistakes when it's just like, yes, do they have the right as adults to, I guess, alter themselves? Of course, and I don't want the state to step in too far and try to regulate what people do with their bodies. But, you know, and I think we talked about this on, on the last time you were on the show, but 
what needs to really end is the affirm, affirm, affirm approach to dysphoria symptoms. That's well, what needs they, to they're, stop. They lie. When they call it gender affirming care, that, it, that phrase itself is a lie. Yeah. It's not care. It's it's gender dysphoric mutilation. This is an, it's it's because of the 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 mental condition where they feel dysphoria, which again is as you said, it usually it's very common in children who have been sexually abused. They they feel uncomfortable with their gender, with their sexuality, because they have this trauma that sometimes they're not even consciously aware of because they've repressed it from their con their field of consciousness because it was so impactful in their youth. Uh, and that's an elephant in the room that never gets addressed. Meanwhile, they just push these people into this production line. And it's, 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 it violates all the basic tenets of medicine. Do no harm. It's doing harm. Um, and it's uh, informed consent. When you talk to some of these people, they were never given informed consent. They were never told about the probabilities of these things having complications or what the, the the aftercare, you know, how how it can go wrong. Yeah. Um, a lot of times these people are blamed for their own complications, as we discussed with shape. Yeah. You know, he, he had complications with his castration and, and penile inversion. And they blamed him saying that he wasn't doing the aftercare properly yeah. when he maintains, you know, he did he followed yeah. all the instructions. They also sold him this lie and you know, and he admits it was a mistake to have to have believed it in general, but they sold this lie that he could actually change his sex if he went through this process. When that that's just yeah. it's simply impossible. No one can, you know. Yeah, the, all the language surrounding this this gender ideology is convoluted. It's equivocational and it's full of lies. There's just there's so many lies, and when you start talking to people, you can easily you know just poof them away with you know here's a study that's factually incorrect. You can look this up. Here's a picture, you know, you can look at right now. And that's why they fear these conversations yeah. that you're having one, one person at a time, one mind at a time, you're, you're turning light switches on and you're spreading the awareness that this thing is real and it's happening and that it's coming for children. And they're, they're deathly afraid of it, which is why they keep kicking and screaming and saying all these terrible things are physically attacking you in public. Yeah. But some are just in total denial. Like you put out a video recently where you were talking to a guy in the street and of course he had a freaking mask on. I'm like, that's not a surprise. And you know, you're explaining that this stuff is happening and he's just like, no, nope, that's not happening. That's not happening. And you're like, well, Chloe Cole's across the street. Do you want to go <laughs> talk to Chloe? No, I don't want to. They refuse. They don't want to even understand and hear that it's happening. Yeah, it's like LA, they the, that was the yeah, LA event. That, the was blinders was a guy, that was a guy at the American Academy of Pediatrics yeah. convention. So there were a bunch of us on the right side of history protesting the serialization and mutilation of children. And then the leftists, because they're so loving, think it's great to do that to kids, but they also don't believe it's happening simultaneously. So this guy said, there is not a doctor in the United States of America that will do surgery on anyone under the age of 18. So much confidence. So much confidence. I said, well, Chloe's right across the street who's 15. You want to come talk to her? No. I've got video of Kaiser Permanente in Oakland, California, where they admit to cutting off the breasts of a 12-year-old child. Do you want to see that? I'm sure it's edited. So anyway, I showed this guy a video from Boston Children's Hospital where they admit to doing this on 15-year-olds, even though they go younger. Suddenly, his, his argument went from, there was no way a single doctor in the United States will do this, to, oh, well, it's actually good that that's happening. <laughs> Yeah, as long as they've been living in their truth for a long time. Yeah. Well, okay, sure. Subconscious, uh, Lebachevsky calls that subconscious selection and substitution of information. These they they make that shift without any conscious awareness on their part. We see it because we're outside. We see it. We laugh because the contradiction is just so obvious. Yeah. In their minds, they don't experience that contradiction. And that is, is what's so foreign to, to people like us who are, you know, we're critical, where we strive towards objectivity. We believe in the existence of objective reality, facts that we can all sort of compare and, and come to a consensus on. They're in a world of pure narrative where whatever they say and whatever they can convince others of is true. That's their reality. And, and this is kind of what I'm seeing in the culture war now is that it's not so much a left and right distinction as a people who strive towards truth and objectivity and people who are just totally okay lying all the time to themselves, to others. 
Uh, and, and that's really what this whole gender transition thing is, is about. It's a, it's a lie to the self that you are the other sex when that's not true. We can all see it. And I, and I can understand, you know, there are some rare cases where people may require or think they require surgery and hormones in order to alleviate suffering and to, to have to maximize their quality of life. But I think maybe it's time we re-examine that approach altogether. Yeah. You know, maybe, you know, maybe gender transitioning is not good for, you know, even the adults that think that that's what they want. Yeah. You know, maybe we have to go back and re-examine that and, and really look at the science because it's clear up to this point that the science has been largely manipulated and in favor of pharmaceutical industries and their profit margins. Yeah. They also, they bring up the cases of the people who like say did have the surgeries and, and it did work out for them and, you know, but dismiss all of these other cases where it doesn't work out for them. And, you know, like I said earlier, I'm not going to go as far as to say like the government should just completely regulate this and like cut it off in general for adults because, you know, we had Sarah Higdon on the show. I don't know if you know, Sarah Higdon, Sarah Higdon did, transition did get through the surgery and is fine as far as we know and has adapted well to that has her own reasons for doing that totally fine but is is objective in the reality that sarah is appearing as the other sex is not actually the other sex and doesn't expect us to play this mental game of gymnastics that she is you know and agrees with us that there there needs to be pushback against pushing this stuff against against children and i will ally and break bread with any trans adult who's rational in that way and and understands the danger of of what's happening to kids here you know transgenderism the state of being transgender is not a physical state yeah this is just a label this is just an identity Transgender really does not exist. This is a label that an adult can take on if they want, but we're all male or female. There's no yeah. such thing as a transgender child. Gender dysphoria exists, and that's yeah. how we should be framing this. Distress over one's sex, we should really call it sex dysphoria, uh -huh. is what exists, and we need to help these people, children and adults. But honestly, gender is just personality. Yeah. I was having a talk with university students outside the University of Alabama in Birmingham, Alabama last week. I saw those and, videos. Yeah. yeah. And this one guy, I guess his family comes from India. He said, you know, back in going back generations that there were people with third sexes and third genders in their society. And I said, which is it? Is it a third sex or a third gender? Third gender, he said. Okay. What does that mean? Well, it's how they present themselves. What does that mean? Well, some people will present themselves in a more feminine way or whatever. I said, okay, well, why aren't there a million genders then? And he said, well, there could be. I said, exactly, because this is meaningless. It just means personality. Yeah. But we have to get away from treating this as though this is an actual thing. Distress is an actual thing. There is no alternate class of human being. And there's no such thing as a transgender child. If an adult wants to give themselves that label, fine. But transgender itself is a euphemism for transsexual. Yeah. How would society like it if we were going around saying that all these kids are transsexual? Yeah, that word would definitely cause more of a stir, I think, if, if it was used in that way with kids. Well, and then the, it's also, yeah. we should recall that the original person who segregated sex and gender was John Money, infamous yeah. mm -hmm. uh, pedophile yeah. and uh, what was it, uh, Johns Hopkins, I think. There's a lot of weird stuff that happens around Johns Hopkins. Yeah, I think in the first talk we did with Chris, we, we went into John into Money. But there was something you said in one of those videos on the street, I think it was in Alabama, that I think really gets to the core of what you're saying here. And it was, I think, I think you said it like this, that uh, transgender is not something that you are. It's something that you do. Transition is something, it's not something you are, it's something you do. We're yep. talking about a verb here. Yep. yep. This is an action word, transition. Yeah. It is not a physical state of being, but the objective of the left in this scenario and in a lot, and in a lot of scenarios is if you can confuse people, you can control people. If you change the language and it, no one really knows what these words mean, yep. they just kind of get muddled and confused and they don't think about it and they just trust authorities. 
And you've got all these people now who just believe transgender is a thing and that some kids are transgender and they equate this with gay rights. The only yeah. reason they've had all the success that they've had is because they have the rainbow as a shield. Yep. And they can do and say whatever the heck they want if they just hold up that rainbow shield. No one dares to say anything. That's why they've so been the slippery working. slope was real, unfortunately. And we need to get back to just the basics. Yes, people are gay. We need to love them. This is how, how they're attracted. This is sexual orientation. This is measurable. You can put a man in an MRI machine and show him gay porn, and the parts of his brain associated with sexual arousal will light up. You show him straight porn, and it doesn't. People are gay. Nobody is trans. Yeah. Yeah. It's something so you do. People want it. to do body modification, fine. But you're male or you're female. And I don't want to go along with anyone's pronouns or anything anymore. Because when you do that, you're just going along with the lie. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I'm not down to it with it. I'm going to support these people who want to speak the truth or whatever. And I hope all the people who have done body modification, I hope they have happy, long, successful lives. But they're getting lied to, too, and they're being sold false hope as well. Yeah. My, my only exception with the pronouns, and I've brought this up before on the show, um, and I was actually talking to some friends about this last night, actually, is examples of people like Blair White, for example, who pass. Like they really do pass and say you're in a social situation. And I think, I think Blair even got, um, man, who was it again? His name is Ben Shapiro. I think Blair even got Ben Shapiro to admit that in a social situation, he would even use the she, her pronouns for Blair because say you were in a social situation with Blair and there are other people around there who don't know that Blair is trans. And then you use he, him, for Blair, it would actually confuse them because Blair passes so well. Um, but I understand what you mean. Like, I think there might have to be more of a pushback and just a, like an actual refusal to just use the language because it is participating in, in that lie that biological sex isn't That's, a thing. They speak in is. lies. That's what, it's, yeah. it's what it comes down to is that they're constantly, these people speak in lies, they equivocate, they change definitions. It's, it's all a power game to them. They're not striving for yeah. the best outcome for the most people they are you know possessed with the idea that they know what's best for everyone including you know our kids and the future and that they're you know they can use violence they can steamroll they can lie about us any any means justifies uh you know achieving their ends and a lot of them have this weird idea of you know communist utopia and that it's people like us that are holding them back from from being the the best transhumanists and achieving their you know wonderful transhumanist immortality things, it's it's insane. It's literal insanity. And like, believe like it. all people who think they want communism, let's give it to them and see how they like it. <laughs> yeah. China, right there. Yeah, go. There you go. Enjoy. You want to go be in lockdown again? Yeah, China's got there. something yeah. like thirty million people locked down right now because of COVID. Yeah, Eastern Europe and South America did great throughout the late 1900s with communism, didn't they? Yeah, talk to people who lived through it. They, they, they speak so highly of that time period as if it was the best in their lives, which is why many of them escaped to the West during that period. They were just, It was so good, they had to leave. Like, right. I just I can't with these kids, honestly. And it's, it is a lot of children. It's an enticing sales pitch. Everyone's going to have equality. Everyone's going to be taken care of. And the young people, the naive people... They buy into this and they're buying into it again now in North America, except it's not being called communism. It's being rebranded as equity. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think there's a reason for that. I think when we're younger, obviously we're more naive. That's part of it. But the other thing is, you know, if you're someone with a conscience and you, you start to look at the world and you see the suffering and the horrors and the things going on, like naturally we want to like make the world a better place. Like I think most young people want to be, someone who saves the world we want to try to save the world so it's very easy to get them to fall into that ideology when i was younger i was very in like in college my first like freshman sophomore year i was very interested in like the zeitgeist movement i don't know if you're familiar with that peter joseph and all of that and i started to later realize like it was just basically repackaged communism <laughs> but it, it it sounded appealing like hey we can use technology and organizing our resources and all of this to make a a more perfect society where we're not wasting where we alleviate as much suffering as possible so people aren't you know pathological anymore but they were totally ignoring things like psychopathy you know they're ignoring the fact that like 
just because you change the environment and improve conditions, that doesn't mean you're going to just get rid of evil people. Like someone can step in and take over that new system that you've built and then turn it, turn it on its head. So how do you deal with that? You know, but I'm just speaking more from that perspective because when I was younger, I, you know, I wanted to help. I wanted to save the world. And I think that's natural for young people. And it's why so many of them, I think, fall for socialist ideologies. And Jordan Peterson has even talked about being a socialist when he was younger and why he was. And what disillusioned him was he started to realize that too much of the motivation was less a concern for the poor and the downtrodden and more a disdain for the rich and the haves rather than caring about the have-nots. There was a sort of vengefulness about a lot of the ones that he encountered. Obviously not all of them, but you know, I think, I think that is what we're seeing with the youth. There's, there's a kind of um, a vengeance. They, they feel slighted. They feel disenfranchised. And they think the world isn't fair. Life isn't fair. We need to fix it. We need to save it and make things more equal for people. And for some, I think it comes from a, a real genuine place of, of care and concern. But it's also just naive. You know, the world isn't fair. And it's never going to be. You know, you make the best of it. Yep. Yeah, young people are naturally arrogant. And I feel like we forget that uh as culture and especially in, in the university system and in our educational system like they're not getting a psychological uh really understanding of themselves and their developmental process that they're going through these teachers a lot of them are just activists in disguise and they use their classrooms as you know little recruitment centers yep. in order to brainwash their kids and they feel entitled and they've been educated and brainwashed in a similar fashion as they've gone through, you know, the pedagogical education process at the higher levels, especially a lot of these, these people who go into education at the university level and masters and PhD levels, they get all this social justice craziness. And it's, it's really, you know, it's, it's, it's out there and it takes people to recognize it and speak out against it, which is why I'm so glad we have you, Chris. This is amazing. There's a, so I was going through your Instagram here. Uh, do you want to talk about, you know, the some of the violence that you've experienced? Yeah, we discussed some of that the first time. Yeah, I've been updating my Instagram. I never had it going, but so I'll be that posting things from the past just so people know what I've been up to. But, yeah, um, that's great. I mean, I don't like to focus too much on the violence stuff because more than 90% of the people out there completely support what I'm doing. But yeah, there's some violence that comes with this and... It's fine. Do it you find mostly that's my message further? Mostly, in, has that been in like Canada? Like, I guess, because I feel like Canada is a lot more yeah. occupied than the US. Yeah, all, the, all the big violent attacks have been in Canada. Yeah, I think uh, when you've been, I've had smaller things. Like, I get spat at, I get spat at last week in Alabama and yeah. things like that. But yeah, uh, I think uh, when you were here in New York with us and we went out for Pride with you um i think like the worst thing that happened was someone tried to like smack your phone out of your hand or yeah someone did smack and, phone. You know, it, was, you... it was in my selfie stick thing and someone yeah. smacked it out and... but then mike harlow took care of them didn't he <laughs> yes <laughs> oh mike we yeah. love mr mike i'm yeah. excited he's uh he's relocating he's getting his family down to florida so yeah, he's trying to leave in york the process of uh the exodus but you know besides leaving that, new york yeah, yeah he is moving to florida and Mr. Matt Antar, too, who was also with us that day, is another one who's going to go down to Florida. Uh, we'd like to get there eventually. We'll see. Uh, what do you think of that? You seem like you have some thoughts there. Yeah, I'd go to Florida myself. I wanted to go to Florida 15 years ago. <laughs> There's also a lot more to do up there. I'm kind of isolated up here in the, you know, yeah, I'm the Pacific Northwest, but up above, I'm two hours north of Seattle, up in Vancouver. If you want to do something, I mean, there's not too much to do around here apart from explore nature and it's beautiful here and all that. But if you want to explore other states and cities and do all that sort of stuff, there's more happening on the East coast. But anyway, I think Ron DeSantis is going to be the next president of the United States. At least I hope so. Me too. And Big Ron fans. That's great because I'm friends with a bunch of his people. So, uh, that would Love be helpful as well. You know, uh, Christina, his uh, press secretary, love He's her. Twitter. Only engaged a little on Twitter and stuff, but yeah, I mean, they're all following along. And Jeremy Radfern, his deputy press secretary right now, was responding to some of my stuff. And I've got friends with Moms for Liberty, which is an amazing organization of 100,000 moms fighting this all across the country. 
I mean, I've got lots of friends in, in powerful places now who are helping to fight this stuff. So it's all good. Yeah. I'm the spearhead, I guess, like you said, I'm the guy on the street, but there's lots of people behind the scenes doing stuff. Yeah, that's important too. You know, that, that is very important. Not everyone can be the guy at the forefront showing their face and all of that. You, you need those people behind the scenes to make sure everything is operating smoothly and to do the other things that need to be done. And it's probably better that people don't know their names and faces all the time because then they can focus on the other stuff they have to do without being harassed and all that stuff. So it's like we take the slings and arrows and then, you know, we have that kind of support system behind us. Yeah. So it's, uh, this is going to be a long fight. As we saw last week in Texas, Alex Stein and Sarah Gonzalez, two people I'm going to be hanging out with in a couple of weeks. I'm going to Texas. Nice. They went to one of these drag queen story hour shows. I saw. And Antifa showed up with AR-15s, full military gear, balaclavas, military communications devices, <laughs> helmets. Yeah. To defend transgender story time. This world is absolutely bonkers. And yeah. all the Democrats are going along with this total insanity. So it's going to be a big fight for a while, but to be honest, it's kind of fun. I don't mind all the, uh, yeah. Crazy well, stuff that goes on. when you got Al people like Alex involved, it is fun. He was also out on the street with us for a bit in New York city <laughs> yeah. during pride. Oh yeah. This, look at this, guy. this video cracked this me guy up. Blows over like a leaf. Blows <laughs> over like a leaf man. So fragile. The slow motion sidearm from Alex Stein. Like... You know, Alex Stein's a power lifter, right? So that was nothing. <laughs> I mean, look at these guys. Look at these look guys. At this, man. Unbelievable. Alex is just mocking them. Like, oh my God, you're so and this scary. Is, this is what we need. We need more people mercilessly just mocking them to their faces yeah. because they can't do anything. They, they can't respond. They crumple. And, you know, the humor, the humor, the power of humor and, and mocking, it shouldn't be underestimated. Like, our, uh, these are the weapons that we have in in this like culture war, this thought war that we're in, yeah. and uh, you can see very effective. You know, Alex has yeah. been much like yourself. He goes out there, gets on the street, puts himself in these situations, confronts these people, and has conversations. Now yeah. he does a di totally different style of conversation than you do, yeah. but you know, just to get out there and to 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 make the videos and to 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 get have the conversations it's what's really well, changing things slowly. His, his style of humor is also different than say someone like george alexopoulos who i'm going to shout out and we've had him on the show a couple times as well you know and he's a cartoonist and he's he's making political cartoons and satire in that way is just also very important because it just those cartoons tend to like cut to the core of an issue in just four frames you know and he's able to really like get a message out there about how ridiculous some of these ideologies are in just four little panels, you know, and, and yeah. a Alex is like the court jester. He's out there yeah. mocking these guys as they should be. Yes. He goes to city council meetings and school board meetings in character. And it's hilarious. It My thing is I'm more about educating people, yep. having conversations with these antagonistic people as well, because it's easy to confuse them. And that's really my only goal with these people who are antagonistic. I'll just say something that they agree with. And they have nothing. They don't know what to do. Yeah. I'll say, you know, we should never put these kids in some stereotypical box. If a boy's more feminine, if a girl's more masculine, beautiful. Yeah. There's no way to be a boy or girl. And they get so confused because I'm supposed to be some bigot. Yeah. Now they don't know what to say. <laughs> so I've created this cognitive dissonance in their mind where there's now two competing ideas. They'll never admit to it on the spot, but I've confused them. They'll go home and they're going to have to try and figure out what my position actually is. Because even though a lot of these leftists, and they are leftists, are very angry and they lie and they're not very smart <laughs> we have to keep in mind that these people are themselves victims in a way of an ideology that has indoctrinated them and they probably had terrible parents and probably don't have a dad but um these people are indoctrinated they're in a cult and so you're not going to help them or improve the situation just by yelling at them these are still human beings and they're just very lost. So we honestly have to treat these people like we're deprogramming them from a cult. And it takes time to do that. They have to do it on their own. They have to start questioning things on their own, but we can kind of help the process along by 
agreeing with a couple things that they believe in. Yeah, and no, I, I, I very much agree with that. We were actually just on Carrie Smith's show, Deprogrammed, and I think that's part of why she named it that, you know, because she's someone who came from the left and was very much part of this social justice warrior tribe for a large part of her life. And when she started to think lived in LA, lived in, the, in LA, you know, was immersed in, in it. the entertainment scene. And when she started to leave or think outside of the box, you know, these people turned on her, they cast her out. And she herself very much compares it to have like, like leaving a cult. Yeah, it's totally like a cult. So this is a battle of good versus evil in a lot of ways. But are all these young women who are pushing this because it is young women who are the primary foot soldiers of this movement. And if you don't believe me, I welcome anyone to come outside on the street with me one day or go to a university <laughs> campus. Are all these young women evil? Are all the people that lives of TikTok features on her uh, channel, are they all evil? No, they're not. They're very lost and confused. They've been yeah. lied to and they think we're evil. So conservatives are pretty much willing to talk about any subject. They're not just going to scream at you. The only tactic these people have is to try to silence discussion. And they're being taught this in universities as well. You know, Alex Stein, speaking of Alex Stein, went to a university, Penn State University, a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, and got run out of there because they didn't want to allow him to speak on campus. Why can't we speak about issues on a university campus? It's one place in the world we should be able to talk about controversial things, especially when we're talking about maiming and sterilizing children. Yeah, it's bizarre how quickly they, you know, well, and it's like you said, they're, they are in a cult. These are people who have been possessed by ideas that we could think of as pathological in nature. You know, a lot of, I, one of the things that I kind of like to bring up is that these ideas are infectious in the same way as a bacteria or a virus or a fungus can be in certain situations. If you have a specific immune deficiency or if you have a particular, uh, say, experiential deficiency by lacking a father or you've been sexually traumatized or traumatized in any number of ways, then you are almost vulnerable or predisposed to infection from these ideas. Yeah. And when they, people get wrapped up, they don't know until they've had an opportunity to see the other side. And then maybe that inspires, you know, a change of, of, of thought, or maybe we can just plant the seed of that, you know, just by them seeing us and realizing, hey, there are people that don't align with what we're thinking. It may trigger something in there that might get them started on their own little journey. And then again, it may not. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that's why I've been lied to. They've all been lied to. They've been lied to growing up through school, high school, and now university. They've been told that if you don't let kids transition, they'll kill themselves. Right. And they accept it uncritically. They've been told that puberty blockers are reversible and they haven't put more than two seconds thought into it and they've accepted it uncritically. Yep. Yeah. And so with those issues, it's good to say, yeah, sure, suicidality is higher. Of course it is. These are kids who are struggling and we need to help them. Yeah. But with no other condition, do we just give in to demands? We don't give in to the demands of an anorexic and give her liposuction because they've also kill themselves. Right. They've bought the lie, like you said earlier, that they're they're conflating this stuff with gay rights. And I think that's right. also very important because, you know, you get accused of being a bigot and a homophobe and all this stuff. And that's that's why I think it was important, you know, for me and Brant, for my Carlo and for Matt Antar to go out with you during Pride, you know, for other people to see us physically that we're there, that there are many of us actually who support this. There's the whole gays against groomer group that's out now and that they need to realize that it's a lie that all of us conform to this leftist way of viewing this stuff and view it as something that's aligned with our rights. In fact, when you, when you erase biological sex, you're erasing same sex rights and you're erasing women's rights. And I want to bring up that point again about that. You mentioned women mostly pushing this. And I think we kind of need to acknowledge this a little more and talk about it because Part of the reason why I think a lot of the strong men aren't standing up as much to fight this is because they're trying to win favor of women. And it really is mostly women pushing it. I wanted to read this tweet that was posted earlier this month by uh, Carlotta Pinney. And she says, I have to get something off my chest. I do not want Billboard Chris 
or Matt Walsh to be the face of the gender critical movement in the U.S. It needs to be a woman. J.K. Rowling is awesome, but we need an American woman. Ladies, do you agree? Any suggestions? This Can is I translate that message before we talk about it? Go for it. Okay. What that message actually says is, I don't like Matt and Chris because uh, they don't like some of our ideology that hates men and blames men for everything. And a woman needs to be the face of it, but not a conservative woman. It has to be a left-wing woman. That's what they really mean. They tagged Lake Romano, too. I'm like, do you really think because, <laughs> I know. So Carlotta Pini, who wrote this, she has no idea what women are actually doing in this country. Yeah. She's probably never heard of Moms for Liberty and what the 100,000 moms are yep. doing. She has no idea that Tiffany Justice has done about 1,200 media hits since January 1st, 2021. She has no idea all the women who have appeared on with Tucker Carlson, including the feminists that he's had on. They yeah. conveniently ignore anything that doesn't go with their narrative. Because for them, they think a left-wing feminist needs to lead this movement. I've got news for you. The amount of radical feminists in the U.S. is tiny. It is infinitesimally small. We're talking about a few thousand, and they're online only. I never run into them on the street. The feminists in the real world are liberal feminists who are pushing this. Go to the Women's March. They'll all say they're feminists. Not one of them know what a woman is. Yeah. So in the real world, this is who's pushing it. And I'm sorry, but the left isn't going to lead this because the left hates everything about conservatives and they have to hold their nose when they enter a room with a conservative because they think they're so awful. Yeah, It's going to be conservatives who win this and are winning this because there are a hundred million of them in the United States of America. So sorry to the radical feminists, but they're just going to get more angry all the time because they're going to keep fading more into irrelevance. Yeah. And they're also, you know, they're undoing all of these supposed rights that they claim that they initially stood for and fight for. It's like, if, if you're if you're really that concerned about women's rights, then yeah, what about men in women's spaces, in women's sports, in women's prisons? It's like, you should be saying something about that. But instead, like you said, they're mostly the ones who are pushing this. It is mostly women. It's the HR departments. Josh Slocum and of Disaffected talks Lord about this forbid, all the time. Lord forbid you say that and have an argument with like a self-identified feminist. As soon as it yeah. comes up, they start claiming well, that it's being pushed by men who so call themselves I, 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 was, I, I tried to work with them guys i tried yeah. i reached out to them in the beginning you told I me the story. within days within <clears throat> days i had thousands and thousands attacking me defaming me and it follows me to this day so i would still love to work with them and it's not the ism so much of course we all well we all want equality egalitarianism is a beautiful goal it's yes. a behavior which is terrible and unfortunately there's just a whole bunch of people who's purely just hate men and are awful and will say anything to try to cancel them. So I've put up with their nonsense for so long. They've done more damage to my campaign than any other group by far. It's not even close. People trying to defame me, lie about me, slander me every single day. So I'm very just done with them and tired of them and I'm not interested in working with them and I'll just tell the truth about them, which is that they're a giant pain in the ass. Yeah, and it's not even that they just, that they hate women. They also don't want to hold, I'm sorry, it's not that they just hate men. They don't want to hold women accountable for being the majority of people who are pushing. The also, a lot of them stuff. do hate men. And they do hate men, but <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about it's, this. It's a sad stereotype, but honestly, there's there's a it's rooted in yeah. truth. I'm gonna I'm gonna criticize J.K. Rowling a bit here. And I love J.K. Rowling. You know, I grew up in Harry Potter. I'm a huge apologist for all that. You don't stuff. have to caveat. And I think I think, you know, she's not she's not helping this movement when you make excuses for people like Macy Gray. And as soon as we criticize Macy Gray for backtracking after the statements that she made, J.K. Rowling comes out and defends Macy and says, oh, well, it's harder for women to deal with this stuff and it's easier for men because, you know, they don't get attacked as much as viciously. And bullshit. That. And that, bullshit. That is bullshit. Like, no, J.K. Rowling, <laughs> you need to hold women like Macy Gray accountable and say, well, if you really care about women's rights and all this stuff, even though maybe it's a little scarier for you because you're a woman, um, you can't backtrack on this. When you make those statements and your PR team pulls you behind the scenes and they say, you need to, you need to roll that back. 
Macy Gray should have stood firm. And I think the criticisms of her were legitimate. And instead of acknowledging that, J.K. Rowling was like, well, no, because Macy Gray is a woman. She doesn't have to be held to the same standards. And it's like, no. That's ridiculous. And I think there's a problem too with a lot of older feminists. They're still in a 20th century mindset and we are in the 21st century. A lot has changed the culture, especially the ideas of, you know, women being able to participate or the fact that more women should participate. That's encouraged, you know, in STEM, especially they're yeah. constantly trying to get women in STEM, women in STEM, but you don't see them trying to get women into, you know, construction, construction work. or oil rigging or lumberjackery or anything else. It's kind of ridiculous, but uh, you know, this is where we're at, and we just have to kind of work with where we're going. It's kind of and these feminists. I, I, I think inherently feminism is a supremacist ideology. It's why I have a big problem with it in general. Uh, you'll notice there's no manism. There's no, there's no male, you know, competing ideology for um, men. I mean, I think there you can is. talk about you can talk about MGTOW and maybe MRA men's yeah. rights activism, but. They're, they're on the fringe. They're not, you know, culturally accepted as any legitimate yeah, I don't know sort any, of ideology. I don't know anyone who identifies us. And no, that's everyone wants, everyone wants equality, right? We all want to treat everyone fairly. This, these isms, these left-wing isms all rely on victimhood as yep. the core of their ideology. It's always yep. an oppressor, oppressive dynamic somehow. And I'm sorry, but you can go become president of the United States if you want to. We're not living in a patriarchy. But anyway. <laughs> Let's move on from feminism. Yes, <laughs> totally. Well, we got we should wrap it up here because it's going to be you're running out of time. Yeah, maybe we'll wrap it up um, and talk about what you're about to do once you leave the show. So maybe sure. we'll, we'll end with that. So if people go to my Twitter account, they'll see some stuff there. There is a drag queen story hour going on, a performance and a story hour going on in Kitsilano, which is the hippest, youngest area of Vancouver. It's just outside downtown Vancouver. It's where all the young, good-looking people like you guys live. Oh, thank you. And there's a story, drag queen story hour going on by Satanics is the name of one of these performers. Oh my another god! One, Can I even show? The other one is a more normal name, which I forget right now. But <laughs> it's dangerous a, oh. a friend of mine is writing for the Post Millennial a story about this, and she did a little digging. Mia Ashton is her name, the reporter. And it turns out one of these drag queens, Tara Baladi, not Satanics or Satanics, but Tara Baladi is a drag queen librarian that I talked to on the street last year for like 45 minutes. I think that one on the left there. Ah. And so you'll find that on my Twitter as well. This person, yeah, that's him on the right. Ah. The guy came running from behind and tapped me on the shoulder. I've been on the street for about 20 seconds. This is in Kits, Kitsilano. And we had this long conversation. So I've got that up. But he's one of the guys performing today for these kids. I've got a video of him doing his drag thing where he's reading like weird porn stuff. These people should not be dealing with kids. Mm -hmm. Why do drag queens need access to children? Yeah. <laughs> why don't, this meme. This meme is why great. Don't we have, why don't we have senior citizens from seniors' homes coming into these community centers? Why not? To the kids. Yeah. They're lonely. They're, they're lonely. They're old. They're nice. They need something to do. They would love it. Why are we bringing drag queens in? This event is only for three to 10 year olds. That's what? <laughs> yeah. And in the, th this, the, the messed up part about all this drag queen story hour, drag queen reading to kids nonsense is when you look at the literature, it's something James Lindsay has gone into because he's, he's a prolific reader. He loves going into their literature. They admit themselves that it's all about subverting gender norms in the minds of children because yeah. they're not trying to convince the rest of us. They're not trying to convince adults. They're trying to capture the minds of the next generation by exposing them to things like this so that when they grow up, gender bending is just normalized. Yeah. Like drag queens and men's dressing. It's just, it's just a normal thing. It's just, you know, sometimes there's yeah. just, and it's, it's not, it's a very rare thing and it doesn't belong in being exposed to kids. It does not. I actually, I want to refer our audience if they have not seen it yet back to our episode or Kitty 87 with Kitty Demura, who is a drag queen that agrees with our position here and was immersed in the culture in California knows what these you know, a lot of these queens are like, knows what the culture is like, and will attest. It, it's just, it's not for kids. We need, we need to draw that boundary again. And the fact that we are dissolving that boundary, it's not going to help drag queens, that's for sure. 
and it's not helping gay people in general. Uh, if anything, it's presenting this sort of caricature stereotype that, you know, all LGBT people are like that, that we're just like clowns who dress up and perform on stage. Like, what is this educating kids on? What are they learning? We by spent having, so many decades you know, trying to get out of the whole gay people are predators yes. coming for your children yes. mindset. Yes. And now they're bringing it back. It's like, oh, yeah. God. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah so that guy's a gay man. You can watch the video where he's talking to me. And you know what? Do whatever you want to do with adults yeah. in your adult time. There's absolutely no reason for this to be going on with kids. And it's no. confusing these kids. And of course, some of them are predators. We know this. Do yeah. two seconds of Googling. Why do they need access to children? This is weird. These people in a normal society would be arrested for lewd and obscene behavior with yep. children, but we're supposed to celebrate this and we're supposed to be considered a bigot for not going along with it. Nope. So they're pushing this culture way too far. The counterculture is going to rise up. Is that your cat? That was my Harry Potter wand. Oh, no. <laughs> oh which no. wand? It's actually, it's actually Dumbledore's wand. Love I it. it. I got it at, uh, Harry Potter World at Universal Studios. Nice. December. That's a nice one. So yeah, maybe I should take this with me today to fend off the drag queens. Yeah, no, for real. Expelliarmus. <laughs> Sometimes, oh, you know, man. I keep a piece of Labradorite around for, you know, psychic defense. I'm a little, I would love. I mean, or you, yeah. could, you could just hit someone with it too. It's pretty. You could, it's a big rock. I mean. I'm not condoning violence, YouTube. That's not what I'm doing. <laughs> Chris, um, thank you so much for joining us again. We really appreciate you giving us some of your time. And, you know, we appreciate all the slings and arrows that you're taking out there dealing with this stuff, man. And it's been wonderful seeing your progress over the last year. Like, you're really getting the message out. More and more people are definitely talking about this subject than ever. And it does get tiresome. You know, frankly, you know, I know people who are just sick of hearing about it. And I get that. But what it comes down to is real harm is being done. Um, not just to kids, to adults as well. And the only way we're going to stop the cultural fixation upon it is to resist it and also focus on it. Like it has to be talked about. It has to be discussed. We, we need to have these conversations. Very important. That's right. The whole world's gone into this no discussion mode. And yeah. we have to reject that outright. Yep. I'm so glad Elon Musk bought Twitter because freedom of speech is coming back. And this is a cycle. This will end one day but it's kind of a generational thing. So yeah. I'm sure we'll be having talks over Zoom for the next 20 years or so. I look forward to talking <laughs> to you guys again. <laughs> Thank you so much yeah. for joining us, Chris. Uh, yeah. Let everybody know they can find you, billboardchris.com. It's on the screen. Yeah, you can find yeah, all billboardchris.com, Twitter, at billboardchris. It's hard to find me because Twitter censors me, but at billboardchris on Instagram, at billboardchris. And if you want to support my travels, that'd be great. There's a donate button on my website. Thank you, everyone. Yeah. All right, guys, take care. Thanks for watching. And same thing, like, comment, sub, donate to us if you want to help us keep doing this. And thanks again to Chris. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.